Welcome back to another episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan from Startups.com, joined as ever by my friend and the CEO and founder of Startups.com, Will Schroeder. Will, today we're going to talk about something that just really never, ever, ever happens in the life of a founder, and that's, uh, and that's failure. <laughs> but you and I were, were revisiting a story, and, and this isn't recent history. This, this goes back a couple years, but I think it's a great illustration and I think it'd be awesome if we could kind of walk through what failure really looks like and, and how we can maybe make the, the whole concept of failure a little less scary for everybody listening. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of jumping in the water for the first time, like let's say you're swimming or something like that, is terrifying. By definition, it's terrifying. But if you put a giant, giant life vest on and you know you're going to float, it gives you a little bit of certainty that at least you're not going to sink to the bottom. Unpacking failure is kind of the same thing. Like, on its surface, it sounds horrifying and terrible. But once you unpack it a bit, it starts to build this kind of life vest to say, you know, I'm actually going to be okay. Are there sharks involved? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you get eaten by sharks at the end. So I'm okay. Life vest right. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be clear here. Because the life vest doesn't help that much in that case. What a horrible can identify the body then. Yeah. Uh, But I got to say, Ryan, of of all the tough conversations that we have with founders, I really think the looking into the abyss of failure conversation continues to be the conversation where we bring the most amount of guidance and kind of shed the most amount of light. Yeah. Because founders are just really bad at this. And it's a big problem because it's a big part of what we do. <laughs> you, you did just also kind of say that you and I are really good at failing. So we're, we're here to help. <laughs> you have to be. It's part, it's part of the job. But look, uh, I'll give you an example. Years ago, a friend of mine was in a really tough spot. He'd grown this business uh, through some, some bank debt, actually, not you know, investor funding in this case. Uh, which is actually, if you think about it, a little more scary because you're typically tied to it. But he'd grown this business to a $30 million business. And it was, frankly, a tough kind of business to get to $30 million. So he really, really hustled to get there. It was really impressive. And he got the business to $30 million, And a couple things happened. Uh, some contracts went sideways. Uh, stuff that, frankly, again, I, I, I know him and I know the business well enough to know that there's really nothing he could have done about it. It's one of those things. Kind of like COVID decimated a lot of businesses. Yeah, this was just yep. a contract that the contract changed and it did not benefit him. And overnight, he went from nearly $30 million of revenue to almost zero. He had 450 full-time employees and this was his first go-around. And it happened so fast that he could barely see it coming. How many years, because I, I don't remember the detail on this part, how many years did he spend building that business from zero to $30 million? You know, it's crazy. Not that many. In the grand scheme of startups, I think it was like five years. Five years. But you know, so pr- just to pretty put good it run. in context, it, it's a great run. It's a great run to hit $30 million, But just to put it in context, that's uh, a, a, you know, just a little less than it takes the average state college graduate to finish their degree. Um, <laughs> and, but it's five years, right? It's not an insignificant amount of time either. Right? It's half no, the time agreed. that we've been running startups.com. And then it went south overnight right it's it's the it's the speed of the turn sometimes that can really really trigger that that fight or flight which is typically flight um response in the founder 
that I think makes these conversations that much harder. Correct. And so when he was in the midst of this, he called me up and he just needed some help. And I said, look, there is a very specific prescription for how to handle the emotion of this. And to be honest, 90% of what you're about to go through is going to be the emotion of it. 10% are the actual action items and things that you need to get done. But what happens, and this is where, you know, it's kind of like a, a pilot going into a spin before he thinks to eject. If you can't assess the situation and say, look, this situation is messed up and I'm going to have to be able to contain myself and kind of manage the situation, uh, both emotionally and again, strategically, you just spend all of your energy being terrified, you know, not thinking to eject, so to speak. Well, and so- I'm going to have to ask for a moment of silence for Goose. he should have known better so here's the thing when people look at failure they typically look at failure as this big amorphous cloud and they just know it's bad they just know it's going to rain and thunder and all this stuff but they don't really take the time because they're so terrified of it to unpack it to stop and say okay what actually is failure going to be and here's what will typically happen when I ask folks. They say, okay, you've got failure in front of you, or you've got you know, the potential of failure in front of you. Unpack it for me. What's going to happen? Invariably, Ryan, I get kind of the same categories of answers. Um, my investors are going to be pissed off. Yeah. In, this case, in his case, the bank. My employees, I'm going to let them down. You know, I worked really hard and built great relationships with all these people. Some of these people are close friends. And I'm going to let them all down. You know, they're all going to get fired or, or laid off. And of course, uh, customers, and then there's my reputation, there's all these other things, you know. And I said, okay, those are all bad things within the cloud. We get that. But then what? Well, I'm going to go bankrupt. Okay. Are you? Right? Well, yeah, I'm going to have no money. Okay. But are you going to actually be bankrupt? You see, we start peeling back the onion on this, right? And what happens is, invariably, almost every single time, the founder only has answers to the high-level issues, right? I'm going to have to lay people off or I'm going to have a tough conversation with investors, et cetera. But they never go beyond that. And I think at its core, that's where the failure is. Yeah, I think the other thing that exacerbates this is, we talked about this previously, that founders tend to always be in pitch mode, right? That we're, right. we're constantly building up our startups. And we have to, right? We've got to get other people to believe in, in what we're doing. And, and I think that, and, and you've probably got some, uh, some, some personal stories that you can share around this particular aspect, but when you've spent a lot of time kind of building this up and selling it and, you know, making it sound wonderful and awesome, and maybe at the time you were saying that it was, or it was on its way to being that, and then all of a sudden that narrative has to turn. Typically what I see is that there's this period where just nothing gets said, nothing gets discussed. They don't seek advice. They don't seek guidance. And there's just this quiet period in the dark by themselves where, where these, these problems grow and grow and grow. And I, I don't necessarily mean in, in reality, just in their minds even, right? It's, it's like the shadow of something cast up on the wall, right? The reality of it is it's something quite small, but what you're seeing in front of you now grows as you sit in silence by yourself and you, you wait too long to open the door on this narrative with another founder, with your investors, with your employees, with people who can help you to understand what the reality situation is, right? Like that first layoff is, is the scariest conversation ever, right? 
until you've had it. And then you realize that, you know, they're not happy about it. They might even be upset, but it's not the end of the world, right? And, and then you can move on. But I think that there's usually this period in which there's some inaction, inability to move, that tends to exacerbate these situations pretty severely. You know what I think happens is it reminds me of the anticipation of uh, when I go to get blood drawn. I hate getting <laughs> blood drawn. Like it's, it's one of my biggest, yeah. not fears, but like frustrations in, yeah. in, in anxiety moments. And the moment the doctor says, hey, I'm going to need blood work from you. And then I think about, oh man, I know I'm going to stress about this for like every day until I actually have to get this done. And then when I get it done, I'm not kidding. I'll be in cold sweats sitting on the, uh, you know, sitting on the chair, uh, ready to get blood drawn. And in my mind, it's just this horrible, horrible yeah. thing that's going to happen. In reality, it's 30 seconds of discomfort, right? And every single time it happens, I realize I was being a total baby about it. But yet, I create this cloud that lacks definition. If I had to unpack it, I would be like, isn't it going to feel like a mosquito bite for like less than a fraction of a second, and then I feel nothing, and then I no. just go home? It's going right? to feel like being run through by Sir Lancelot, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's the thing, though. You know, we build this up in our minds to be this massive thing. However, for founders, it's not just about getting a, you know, a shot, so to speak. For founders, we don't have the luxury of feeling that way. We're more specifically yeah. getting distracted that way. You know, we right. can feel it, but getting distracted by that and causing us to, to make poor decisions or not be able to act the way we need to, Right. Or especially with our team, because it's not just us. If if I'm freaking out, my team's freaking out. And now everything I do has this ripple effect. And now everyone is freaked out about what's going to happen, and we all perform poorly, which just exacerbates the problem. So our headspace as a founder is absolutely critical. And so this, you know, the the stuff we'll walk through and some of the techniques isn't just about making me feel better, it's making me act better. You know what I mean? For sure. I, I've actually heard you say this to somebody where, where the piece of advice you gave them was like, like right now you're, you're focused on, on not failing right. um, rather than on succeeding. Right? Right. Which in moments where failure seems, seems like it's, it's the, the likely outcome, it's easy to do. Right? It's easy to fall into that trap. Like I'm on the precipice, so you know, the, the thoughts of succeeding that maybe have, have, have evacuated my head. However, you know, to your point, we need to be able to dissect what the failure actually is, whether or not we're even going to, to fully, fully feel the impact of a, I think a total failure, right? Because there's, there's lots of little failures that happen. And then there's catastrophic failure, like, like our friend went through. And, and by the way, like, we'll put, put, the, put the cap on that one, though, because there's a, there is a, a happy end to that story of sorts. Well, let's walk through how we got to the happy ending, so to speak. It wasn't a picnic for this guy at all. You know, he went no. through some really, really tough stuff. However, specifically when we talked about his issue, I said, here's how to unpack it. You need to take everything that you're thinking about and apply two filters. The first filter is impact. How much impact is that factor going to actually have? In other words, when you talk to your investors, how much impact will it have on them? When you talk to your employees, how much impact will it have on them? And, and we have to un uh, unpack that further. And the second is the timeline. For how long will that impact happen? Sure. Here's an example. My uh, you know, unreasonable fear of getting my blood drawn. <laughs> Same thing. Right. Will, yeah. 
how much impact that will will that have? Well, ultimately, it's going to be kind of a mosquito bite, right? And how long will that be a problem? For less than a fraction of a second. Huh, when you put it like that, it's actually <laughs> it's not yeah, so much of a problem. Right. I'm still going to have you know some anxiety around it. But when I start to think about things in absolute terms and not, again, those amorphous terms, yeah. it, it allows me to act on it, right? So in this case, he and I were walking through the problem. And I said, okay, let's walk through each part. And he says, well, I've got about a million dollars of bank debt that I personally guaranteed. I said, okay, what's the impact of defaulting on that? Well, they're going to come after me. Can they collect on it? Well, no, because I won't have any money. Mm, it's a problem for them, not for you. Yeah, and, and again, not, not to be crass about it, but I was trying to help him understand right. you know, kind of where and how the impact lands. The second w- was going to be, and what's the timeline of that collectability? Like, like how long will that be a problem for you? He's like, well, I, I would imagine if, if at some point they know they can't collect that, you know, th- they're going to have to write off the debt. Okay, let's find out generally what that timeline looks like so we understand how that would impact you. Now, that doesn't make his problem go away. The bank still wants to collect. They're still going to have tough con- conversations with the, the bank. But he's now starting to realize that this isn't some shackle that just goes on him for the rest of his life. It's not permanent. That that it's a number of specific conversations with specific outcomes, and it's a timeline that does go away. Yeah. So what we were doing in each case was, again, peeling back the onion and saying, okay, as we get further into this, what actually does happen? And more specifically, I think this is the most important part, what can we do about it? Because the worst thing we can do with fear is not have an action plan tied to it and just live in the fear. Right. Just let the monster hang out in the corner and hope it doesn't eat us. Exactly. And, and I think as we started to go through each category of his concerns, one of them was I have to let go of 450 people. Again, there's no part of this exercise where we're trying to say that that, that doesn't hurt or that's not painful. We're not trying to minimize the feeling we're trying to minimize the amorphous nature of it. And so what we're trying to say is, okay, 450 people, we're going to have to let them go, and which is brutal. However, will they all get jobs? Well, yeah, I mean, they'll probably all have jobs within the next few weeks to a couple months. Okay, so you haven't permanently put 450 people out of work. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's, again, like you said, it's, it's, it's impact and timeline, right? Yes, they lost their job. Yes, that's going to be awful. No, it's not going to last for, for, for that long, right? And, you know, so, like, again, as you're saying, you, you unpack each piece of the failure, dissect it down to its smallest parts, look at the particular aspects of it, and then I, I love this impact and timeline framework because I think it just makes it really, really easy to, to A, figure out then what to do, right? Because then, then you can start to think about, okay, well, how can I minimize the impact and how can I shorten the timeline, right? So we, we talked about this before, like when, you know, if, when, when employees move on or we've had to let people go, you know, we, we do everything we can to minimize that impact that individual and to shorten the timeline of, of the space in which they're not working, right? We open up Rolodexes, we try to make good intros, uh, make good handoffs, right? So, but if you're just looking at this as 450 people are out of jobs, right? Like that's super amorphous. I, I can't do anything about 450 people. But at an individual level, I can do things that reduce the impact and shorten the timeline. And so it makes this a much easier, much less painful, and very, very obvious process. I think the timeline component is really important. Yeah, of Here's course. why. Probably the most, actually. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the first time that I had to shut down one of my funded startups, again, not cool, but but I didn't have this framework, and frankly, this is where where I started to develop, develop <laughs> this, this is where you developed after. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And essentially, what happened was I'd raised some money from the company. We couldn't raise another round. We had to shut it down, but not without the longest, most painful fight. I wish I had me in my corner, just you know, future me to come yeah. and tell me what a horrible mistake I was making. But that's a whole other episode. I was going to say, boy, there's a whole lot of cases where I wish that. Yeah. <laughs> and so. I got to this point where I was just just stricken with with fear of how was I possibly going to own up to all these investors that had not only backed me but backed me very publicly, you know, made a right. lot of introductions and you know yep. kind of threw their weight behind me. You know, what can I possibly say to them? And to be fair, this was the first time I'd ever raised capital, so I didn't really have a shot on goal before this. But it's the first time most people have raised capital, so it's yep. why they feel this way. And so I had this in my head that I was going to go in front of this giant committee <laughs> where they're on some huge, you know, some, some huge podium or throne room, right? And I'm just this dinky little person like at a Senate hearing and, and I'm trying to like explain to them how I've lost all of their money and they've got these godlike voices that are, you know, droning down on me. You, you abject failure. <laughs> how dare you? And it was so funny. I ended up having these conversations, right? Where I had to call the folks up and let them know it was game over. <laughs> no one gave a shit. Yeah. <laughs> Half of them probably saw it coming, right? Like, you're like, yeah, uh, well, we knew this was over six months ago. Oh my God. It was like, yeah, uh, dude, we wrote this off like a year ago. Like, what are you still doing here? And in, in my mind, again, I had the amorphous cloud. I built this up to be this just pent-ultimate moment that was going to like ruin my career. And like I'm shackled and banished into like, you know, this, this startup netherworld and no one cared, oh. right? What I didn't understand was that while this is centrally important to me and it's a major chapter of my life, it's a blip in everybody else's lives, right? It's, it's your universe. To them, it's a shooting star, right? It burned, it burned out, it's gone now. Okay, move on next. It's a dinnertime conversation with their spouse, right? That's about right. it. Now, yeah. no. and you're like, okay, so let's go over the three that failed today, right? And then they go through their bullet list. It's it's just it isn't not that it not that it doesn't matter, right? Like, of course they need to they need to get return on their investments. Why they do this? But again, like it's not central to their lives, right? They don't rely on the success of each and every one of them. Look at the success rates from VC companies, and you'll understand that they expect most of you to fail. That is just the way it goes. And to your point, it's not that it doesn't matter, Ryan. It's that it didn't matter anywhere near as much as I thought it did. Now, no, you were seeing that giant monster on the wall, and it turned out it was just a teddy bear sitting in front of a flashlight, right? Like it's it it, it was still a problem, but it wasn't as big a problem as you made it you made it out to be, right? Here's the second part of it: for anybody that's had to let someone go, right? If you're being let go, you never think that the person who had to let you go didn't just come up with that idea five seconds ago and decided to like all of a sudden hit, hit the, the trigger on that. Yeah. They've been thinking about it and, and had all kinds of consternation and guilt and all these feelings yeah. leading up to that moment. Right. And so for them, it's been stressful for weeks and months. Yes. And again, not discounting the person that was on the other end of getting laid off, but my point is that person had to go through all kinds of stress, most likely, in order to even get to that point. 
Yeah. For, yeah, no. for many of us, we forget that once we deliver that information, we've gone through all the consternation, but once we deliver the information, it's done. It's over. Right? We don't have to fire yeah. the person the next day, the next day, and the next day. Nope. And so for as much consternation as we go through as the employer, the conversations typically last 15 minutes tops. There's only so many different ways to say we have to let you go. Yeah. And once it's done, it's just done. Yeah. Now, that's the way these things work. In our minds, like, or my mind, I wouldn't even just say, you know, put it on everybody. In my mind, shutting this thing down was going to be all of these painful, long conversations that would be going back and forth for years. I don't know why, by the way. I have no <laughs> idea why I thought that was a conversation people wanted to yeah. keep calling me and Turns talking to me about. People are going to want to move on pretty quickly from you. You're like, okay, well, um, that's good. It's over. I'm gone. Our team, our advisors, our investors, all within about three hours, and no one gave a shit. Yeah. Right, which <laughs> says a lot about the quality of my company. But <laughs> at this point, that's not the only time I've seen this. Generally, what happens is we get all freaked out. We kind of come up to the firing line, terrified of what's going to happen, and it always ends in a whimper. Just nobody yeah. cares. I mean, they care. Don't get me wrong. Getting let go is, you know, has impact. But I'm saying not the way we thought it was going to go down, right? Like, in my mind, when I was going to have that conversation, or my friend's mind who built the $30 million company, yeah, yeah, it was this visual of the Death Star exploding, right? This massive thing, right? Or Alderaan with you know, a million voices screaming out, right? <laughs> and, and the truth is, <laughs> it was just a blip. A and again, reference. I'm not minimizing it to the point where it doesn't affect the founder or the people that, that it's in their world. I'm yeah. talking about the, the, the size of that tidal wave just isn't nearly as big as what we think it is, you know? No. And again, you know, go back to it. It's, it's impact and, and timeline. And, and what's interesting is that even without unpacking, so like we, we've been talking about unpacking failure and, you know, looking at the constituent pieces and then how you treat each of those with this impact and timeline. I think that there, there's, another, there's another aspect to this, and we can look at it at the, at the macro, macro, macro level, right? And let's assume that it is going to be a total failure, right? Because sometimes there's, you know, there's partial failures. There's things that, you know, that, you know a part of the company's failing, or we have a, a bad period, and we've, we failed at something, but we come back. But even if, we, even if it's a, a total shutdown, total failure, like, like you know, your funded startup, we can apply the same... We can apply the same framework, and this is where it becomes pretty obvious that the most important part of the impact and timeline piece is actually timeline. It's counterintuitive, right? Because you think, well, if it's a huge impact, does it matter how long it lasts? Actually, yeah, right? But I think one of the challenges is that because we're not breaking down failure, we're looking at it as this giant amorphous thing, we don't think of it as a point in time, and we view failure as a permanent state, right? The impact right. is company failed. Yeah, that's as bad as it gets. Unless company failed and on the way out of the building, we accidentally lit it on fire and the whole thing burned down, right? Like that would be a little bit worse. But let's assume that company failure was as bad as it got. The timeline on that isn't permanency, right? No. I've heard you refer to this as, as you, know, you, you know, being branded with the scarlet letter, right? Like, I'm a failed startup founder, and now here, I've, for henceforth, I will carry the scarlet letter. But as you said, nobody gives a shit, right? Nobody really actually don't. cares. And they don't remember, right? Think of some of, like, who's, what's, the, what's the biggest recent epic failure you can think of? Uh, well, we've got WeWork, we've got Quibi, we've got 
Theranos. And let me let me put it this way. I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna switch it on you. If you can have a failure so big that you that you are known in the hall of fame of failures, yeah, that's a bit of an accomplishment. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah, that's, kidding, that's, that's like, actually yeah. That's true. That's absolutely true. I don't wish that outcome on anybody. I just say, like, look, if, if, if you failed at that level, at least you got to that level to even fail. But I, I guess the, the way I think about it is, and I think you know what you're referencing is, even the biggest failures of all time are footnotes in our brains. Yeah. If I look back at my failures from, say, 10 years ago, like the startup that I was referencing, I don't even really remember it. I mean, I, like, I remember bits and parts, like enough yeah, yeah. to tell the story, but that's about it. Yeah, but that's not the way you think about it at the time. No, of course not. Right at at the time, you're thinking, "Oh my God, I'm gonna wake up every day for the rest of my life with this failure, and and I'm always going to have it with me." It's just not yep. true. Right. If, if <laughs> I guess I'll I'm say gonna this. become a sandwich artist at Subway. Here you go. It's <laughs> all that's left for me. It, we we always picture this, you know, movie ending where we're doing the worst job we can think of or, you know, the most mundane life we, we could think of. And we're just always thinking back to that one moment where we had it, we had our shot, right? Yeah. And like, it just generally doesn't work that way, right? The, the, the startup rolls up, you move on, and everyone just moves on. And, and yeah, it's a, it's a footnote in our career. But again, you know, that was at the time, the, my only failure, because I only started a couple companies before that, and I thought it was going to live with me forever, I don't ever think about it. Unless we're doing an episode where I specifically have to try to recall it, yeah. it never occurs to it me. It totally forgotten about. Right? Yeah. Like, if, if we hadn't talked about it today, I may never have thought about Elizabeth Holmes again in my life. Right, right. And, and so, with my friend uh, that we talked about at the top of the episode, who, who had this $30 million company, it did, in fact, shut down in, in, at record speed. And he had to let 450 people go. He had to, you know, default on the note with the bank. Tim. A year later, he comes to me and he said, you're not going to believe this. He said, everything kind of just got settled. You know, the, the bank wrote off the debt. You know, my friends got other jobs, so on and so forth. I'm actually starting the same business again, right? I'm starting from scratch, obviously. I know a lot of things that I just didn't know the first time. And to sure. be fair, like, he kind of got screwed. So, again, I want to give him credit. And... Now he's got nearly the same size business again. A couple really, really important notes to that. He could have just gotten consumed by failure. Sure. Right? He could have said, that was my shot. I guess in life you get one shot. I don't know why anybody would think that. I guess you get one <laughs> shot. That was it. So now I'm going to, you know, just kind of like, you know, curl, curl up in the fetal position and, you know, cry about the rest of my life. He just didn't. And I'm not saying that the emotion doesn't factor in. By all means, process the emotions. But also get back on the horse, yeah. right? And, and go build. And that's what he did. And that's why he's got a kick-ass company now. You know, it's interesting because obviously, you know, that there, there can be some, some PTSD and there can be some scarring around failure um, once you've, you've gone through it. Um, and going through failure is, is terrible. There's another aspect to this. And it's a conversation that I have a lot. And it's people who don't start their business in the first place because they're afraid of failure. Sure. And, and they have all these same interesting you know, misconceptions about it. 
you know, well, you know, it's my, I get one shot at this, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to blow my life savings. I'm going to fail. It's going to, it's going to be forever. Um, I'm going to, you know, I, it better not to try it and, and all this stuff. And, and it's really interesting to me that before people have even gone through it, they're using this as, as a barrier and they're like, you know, you know, if I completely fail, I'll burn my life savings. I'll, I'll be bankrupt. I'm like, how far are you from bankrupt right now? Like, how much money do you have in the bank? Like, are, you, are we talking like, you know, is there a trust fund I didn't hear about? You know, are you hundreds of millions of dollars sitting in the bank? And they're like, no. I'm like, how long did it take you to build that? Now we've really only been saving for three years. I'm like, okay, so what you're talking about is risking three years of savings to go and do something that you really want to do. So why are you letting the fear of failure like grow to be this monumental thing that now I will forever destroy our lives and the lives of my family if I start this thing, if I fail? And so it's interesting that, that failure um, is actually a big part of the narrative prior to even starting the business. Well, and I, I think because we constantly build on it, right? We keep making yeah. it worse. We create inaction, which is ironically the the greatest tool to failing is, is, is <laughs> great way to do it. in action. And what we also do is, and we talked about this earlier, we kind of project that failure, whether we yeah. intend to or not, right? If, if the boat's sinking and you're just like, oh, boat's sinking, we're going to the bottom of the ocean, let's just cry about it, yeah. um, then yes, you're going to go to the bottom of the ocean. But if you said, hey, maybe we paddle a bit, <laughs> you know, let's right. get out of this thing. See, the first then, thing I do when there's a hole in the boat, I go and look for a bottle of wine. Because then you've got a cork that will potentially seal the hole. And if not, at least you're going down happy. <laughs> That's clever. But look, I guess, I guess you know, when, when we think about failure as founders, and it's something we all have to contend with, I think whether, whether we're on the eve of epic shutdown or not, we still have to have this tool set. We still have to be really, yeah. really good at unpacking and assessing failure. Because, Ryan, I think there's another side to this. If we're not good at assessing failure, if we're not good at unpacking it and basically making it manageable, it makes it fairly hard to make bold moves. It does, for sure. It's, it's funny because this is, and, and you and I have talked about this, founders are pretty good at looking forward at something that they need to create, right? Some, an outcome that they want to have happen. And then dissecting that into its constituent parts. You know, whether you use a framework like OKR, where you're saying, like, well, here's our big objective, here are the key results, and here are all the actions that feed into that. And here's how we're going to attack this problem, or, or here's how we're going to approach this opportunity, and here's how we're going to succeed with it. Right. And again, like that same framework applies. We look at impact and timeline. Right. We're constantly doing this. And as good right. founders, we're pretty damn good at doing it. The minute the conversation turned toward failure and we have to face the other direction and say, here's something we want to avoid, all that goes out the window for some reason. It's like we, we're like, oh, the rules of this game are completely different. The reality is they're not. Same rules, right? Different, different potential outcomes, right? And different actions that need to address it. But the framework is essentially the same. And so I think we need to remember that the same things that put us on a success trajectory, you know, in, and now maybe turn the other way and now we're, we're heading towards failure, are the same things that will get us back onto that success trajectory.
That's a wrap for this episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan on behalf of my partner, Will Schroeder, and all the Startups.com family thanking you for joining us. And we hope you'll continue to join us. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on iTunes or wherever you love to listen to Startup Therapy. You can find all of our episodes at startups.com slash podcast. If you're looking for more amazing resources to launch or grow your startup, be sure to head to startups.com and check out Startups Unlimited. It's everything we have to offer from our online university to our amazing community of experts and founders, and even all the tools we've built like BizPlan, Fundable, and LaunchRock. It's everything a founder needs. Visit startups.com slash begin. That's startups.com slash B-E-G-I-N. You'll thank me later. Thank you.